inspire. Welcome back to Starting Now. I'm your host, Jeff Saris. This is the show where I talk to entrepreneurs and creators of all types to reveal the unexpected paths to entrepreneurship and where they are today. Today, my guest is Bridget Merkel. Bridget is a self-taught, multidisciplinary artist who recently went all in on the Solana blockchain and NFTs. She was able to leave her job, her full-time job, and both through doing commissions, um, auctions, and building this community around Solana and onboarding and helping other artists uh, find their way, she's found her lane and collectors and community that's allowed her to go full time. It's a it's a great story and I really think it's going to be inspiring for you, especially if you're an artist and curious about NFTs and other options other than the the standard Ethereum blockchain, which right now is very expensive to get in because of gas and other fees. Well this is a great conversation. Without further ado, my conversation with Bridget Merkel. You're really prolific in on Twitter spaces. It feels like it feels like you're doing a lot of them, which is awesome. I am. I try to jump in just like whenever I see one, um, they can be like so distracting, but I'll just put it on while I'm doing art. Um, and it's been something that's helped me network and meet people and get my ideas out there and hear a lot about other people's ideas. So I try to do it as often as possible, but try not to like get sucked in and like waste so much time doing it. So sometimes I just have to like disconnect, you know? Oh yeah. It makes sense. I mean, it's a tough balance because you want to, I don't know, you want to be a part of the community, but you're also running your, uh, your business, doing your create creativity. And it's so hard. Like when people are talking, sometimes maybe it's not, uh, the lane you need to be in, depending on what you're working on, I assume. Right. Yeah. I did a Twitter space last night with a couple of my friends. I'm friends in real life with a couple of artists that I've onboarded and are like now doing like auctions and stuff, which is awesome. I did a space with them last night and I was like drawing the whole time, but I joined one today and it just like, I don't know, it just wasn't the vibe. So I just, I turned it off and turned on my meditation music and like (laughs) zoned out for a little bit. For sure. Do you typically do uh, create art with meditation music a lot of times? Um, yeah, sometimes, I mean, I'll put on like just normal, like Spotify playlists or different podcasts and stuff like that. But sometimes like, if I really want to get into the zone, sometimes the music, like the words, or even just like, what the music, like evokes in me will be distracting. And if I just want to be one with the art, and I'm feeling like I'm having a day that I'm so easily distracted, I just want to shut everything off. I'll just put on meditation music. And that that helps me like get in the zone when I'm having trouble with that. Yeah, I think it's really important to find the thing that that gets us like centered like that. Because I have some playlists on Spotify as well, and different things that it depends on the mood, depends on what I want to achieve and where I want to go with uh, with my day, with my afternoon, whatever. So yeah, really important to to find that lane. So mm-hmm. um, just to sort of dive into Pink Skull, just um, what would be sort of your elevator pitch of you, Bridget, and um, who you are as an artist and what you're doing today. We're, we'll go all over the place with the conversation, but just sort of in, um, to encapsulate everything right up front. Okay. Um, I don't really know because I don't like to like pitch myself or sell myself. I kind <laughs> of just like to create my art. And if it attracts people, then they're attracted to it. And if not, then that's fine, you know, take it or leave it kind of thing. But um So give myself like a brief introduction. I am a multidisciplinary portrait artist. Um, I've been creating art 
on like a more serious scale for about 12 years since I was about 14 or 15. Um, and my main medium now is either like acrylic painting or digital art. Um, and I focus on a lot of portraiture of people and um, I can do animals. I don't do a lot of that, but I am really fascinated with like anatomy, human anatomy. And so I draw a lot of skulls, skeletons and try to like expand my knowledge, I guess, of anatomy and just like the human form through doing that. Um, and I like to, I don't know what it is. I don't know what draws me to like creepiness. I guess it might've been my like conservative up upbringing, but I like to have like a shocking, disturbing kind of element to it as well. Like there's a bit of like morbidity and um, I just like weirdness. I don't, I don't even know how to like explain it really, but people like, well, I don't know. It's just like a little, a little freaky. Yeah, maybe just a little macabre. Just, a, just a hint. Yeah, it's not yeah, a bunch. That's the word. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. Yeah, just like a hint. It's not nothing crazy. I have done some pretty like weird, gory looking stuff, but it's like not, not that often. Yeah, but I like to like combine a person and a skeleton and like have skeleton exposed stuff like that. Yeah. And I was just going to mention that because the pepper uh, painting that's oh, half yeah. cat, half skull. I yeah. love that. That is just. I don't know what it is about that one. I just, I mean, I guess I'm a cat person, so I have a cat too. Yeah. And like, I don't know, I just really like that. I love that juxtaposition of sort of his or her face and then the skull underneath. Yeah, I love that too. And that was actually, I made that, I made that into like an NFT. I like had digitized it. My friend helped me like digitize it. I sold that, but it's also a painting. I have it on my wall, like right up there. <laughs> and um, I had also made that into like stickers and t-shirts when I was trying to like, before I discovered NFTs and I was like really trying to hustle with my art. And that was one of the ones that people either really loved or they were like, oh my God, it reminds me of my dead cat from when I was a kid. It reminds <laughs> me of roadkill. So I was like, oh my gosh. So I kind of like, it evokes some kind of response, I guess, which is like part of, of the point. Um, but yeah, that, that one's like a really popular one. Yeah, for sure. And I, was, I, I never know what's going to be popular. So it's a little surprising to me, but. Oh, yeah, I think that's a really good point, too. You don't know. You don't know until it's out there because you're creating something from within you. But until people really see your vision or what you've put together, it's so hard to know what's going to land. Exactly. Yeah. So um, with that piece, you mentioned that you made an NFT. Is that the one that is glitchy or is there also a still version? So it's hard to remember because my first ever NFT, I think I minted it a couple of times and there was mistakes made and it wasn't showing up and I ended up sending it to the person who had won like the auction they they had won the auction and then nothing showed up in their wallet so I'm not entirely sure <laughs> I believe it's like it was made into like a gift that like glitches it so there's a difference between like what that person received as an nft and the actual painting the stickers and the t-shirts that I've done. So yeah, it's like, it's like a glitched video, I think, or they might've received a still with like some glitchiness in the background. I can't, I'd have to check on that. Oh yeah. It, it was sure. the first NFT. I made it in the coffee shop with my friends. I was like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> it was, yeah. No, but it's awesome. Um, So you were doing, like you mentioned uh, 12 or 13 years, or you've been doing it since you were like 14 ish creating mm -hmm. art. Um, uh, consistently, where would you say 
what was your inflection point of making this sort of your full-time, like your main uh, focus in your life? Because um, from what I saw, like just sort of doing little little research into like you and everything you've been doing, I saw the, uh, it seemed like the, what was it? The Lake Worth Painting Festival was like a big moment. Yeah, so it seemed like that was a big sort of uh, shift in your life. And I was just sort of curious to dive in sort of to the origin story and maybe leading up to the point where you you went all in and you're like, okay, this is this is me. Yeah, I honestly think that that is, that's sort of been like the turning point for me because I always, at first, like, you know, for the first few years that I was creating art, I didn't know whether I wanted to call myself like an artist or not. I didn't know whether I had skill or not. And as I continued to do these events and these, you know, art shows and things like that, I got a little bit more of like, okay, wait, like people are telling me that I'm good, so I must be good kind of thing. Um, And uh, there is a period of time, there have been periods of time where I don't, haven't done art in those 12 years. It hasn't been consistent. But the when I did the Lake Worth Street Painting Festival, honestly, like I was, I was at a point a few months prior before I had applied where I just wasn't creating that much art. I was like here and there, but I had all this like imposter syndrome and I was extremely jealous of other artists that I saw. I didn't know how to turn that jealousy into motivation to make my own stuff. And I was just like paralyzed by my own like perfectionism basically. So I applied for the street painting festival, I get in, it's like this huge thing. And it was this like huge moment that festival draws like a hundred thousand people a year normally pre COVID. And so I, I just got to create something for like eight hours a day for two days straight in front of tens of thousands of people and people loved it. And they were taking pictures and they were talking to me and like I met all these people, like all these amazing artists. And I was just like, I felt like I belonged. It was just like very validating. And I was like, okay, like I can do this. So there have been many turning points, but that was a significant one. Yeah. And what would you say then sort of about it? Because it, you said validating, but was there something something maybe uh, more that really spoke to you or a moment or anything that, that made you say, no, 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 this is where, where I can go? I, I don't know. I think it was just, I, I showed the art to people. I showed the pictures to people. I was in the, someone from the Palm Beach Post, like took a really nice photo up on a ladder of, of me. And I was just, I don't know. I think it's just that like validation. I don't know if it was anything else, but just, me showing my art to people, people liking it, people telling me I'm talented because I tend to have that like really self-critical part of myself. And even though I like call myself an artist, sometimes I'm like, you're not actually good though, you know? So it was just this entire like two day festival of all of these artists having a similar experience. Um, And like, yeah, and the validation was like great. So, and I was like, all right, now I'm on fire. Let's go. So, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And so that was the pink skull. Like that was, you were, um, describe the sort of what you were doing at that festival. Yeah. So I, so the idea for the pink skull, which is so weird. People ask like what it means. It literally doesn't mean anything. It came into my brain. I used to, um, I used to work like an eight to five job and I had a 45 minute commute and so I spent a lot of time just like thinking, brainstorming about different art that I was going to do, et cetera. And just like one day I was like, you know, I really like skulls. They're really cool. You know, it's cool. I like the color pink. And I didn't even <laughs> like pink that much at the time. Now it's like everything that I wear and my hair and like whatever. But at the time I was like, 
I'm just going to draw a pink skull, like whatever, let's do it. It's creepy. And so I practiced, like I did a couple of skull paintings um, in preparation for the like application for the street painting festival. And yeah, and I decided to do like a background. I used these like aquamarine kind of like greens and like hunter greens and stuff as like a opposite, um, opposite colors on the color wheel. So it would make it like pop. Um, but yeah, there's really, I don't know if this is disappointing, but there's really no like meaning behind it. I leave the meaning of my art up to like whoever wants to interpret it, like whatever someone feels or thinks or whatever it evokes, that's the meaning for each person kind of thing. Yeah. And then you were creating a massive piece. It was like a, essentially like a, a sidewalk mural. Would that be the way to, to put it? Yes. Yeah. It was bigger. They actually, um, it was eight feet by eight feet. Wow. I think, yeah, it was eight feet by eight feet. Either that or it was 10 by 10. I think it was eight by eight. And yeah, so they shut down the two main strips in downtown Lake Worth. They're both two like one-way streets. So they they completely shut down the streets to any traffic. And then they create these like squares or like you can apply for like a bigger piece, like a rectangle, a corner piece, whatever. And um, and like they open up the streets everyone can just like walk up and down the sidewalk and see all the people creating all the art in the streets so it's like street painting festival because we're literally all painting like the asphalt of the streets in downtown Lake Worth. yeah that's very cool and so I'm also curious then because um you mentioned sort of having that imposter syndrome and not really like connecting maybe with the community before you went there or as much as as you do now have how long have you been the painter who is making their own colors mixing their own colors because that is such a like i feel like that's so many steps further than probably most people but like you're so you're so in it like that's awesome like i find that so cool like the passion to go so deep into the space yeah well i don't i mean i usually use like um i'll use black brown and then three primary colors. And there's different like tones of the primary colors. Some of them will be like brighter or I don't know. I haven't worked with paint in like a month or so. So I can't oh, yeah. remember like the names exactly. But yeah, so I actually started out doing that because I I remember the first paint kit that I got had like mixed colors. Like one was like hooker green or something. <laughs> and I just found that like I didn't I I feel like I have always for some reason like had a really good grasp of color theory and if I didn't know what was going into the colors and the tubes I didn't know how to manipulate them to make them into the shades that I wanted so I just decided okay I'm just gonna use like the most basic palette and mix everything and now like when I do larger pieces like when I did that piece I did buy a couple of tubes of pink so it would be just like easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I like mix my own colors. So I, I know what's going in it. So I know how to manipulate it, you know, know what to add, what not to add. Because sometimes you'll start like mixing a color and you'll be like, what was there like, you know, this, this doesn't make any sense. Why did mixing those two make this one? There must be this kind of tone, this kind of pigment in here that I didn't know about, you know? Yeah. So I just like to like make it all so I'm in control of it. Oh, it makes perfect sense. So as far as I understand, you don't have any formal training in doing this. Is that right? No. So I took um, a few classes in high school. I took for three years, I took ceramics class. So there was some kind of, not really. I mean, we glazed like the pots and stuff, which yeah. is kind of like painting. And then in high school, I took one, the first of the semester was drawing one. 
and second of the semester was painting one, but I can't remember that much painting that we actually did. Um, yeah, and then I went, to, so it, it really wasn't that much. And then I went to college. My plan was to go to school for art. Um, it didn't end up working out, which is fine because I, I, you know, I love where I am right now. Mm-hmm. But I went and I just like did not like being told what to do or what medium to use. My professor liked like charcoal and I, d- I can't with the charcoal. It's just <laughs> it's never been. Able- Maybe I can try it again sometime because. I like like most media that I try, but I was not able to make charcoal work. So I, I was just like, can't do this, you know? And I, I do believe I ended up passing the class because we did do a few projects with like graphite and pencil near the end, which I was, um, I, I liked that. I was familiar with that because of my drawing class in high school. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I haven't, I haven't taken any other classes or anything. I'm just, just self-taught. I just draw what I see. Yeah. So do you have any tips maybe for someone who's developing those skills and trying to learn? Because you mentioned color theory being just something that you get um, like innately. Is, are there any, is, I guess, are there any other paths that you maybe have gone down that you've been like, oh, this is something I need to refine and maybe found any sort of tips? Or is it just sort of innately from doing it over time? Um, I think a lot of it comes from doing it, but I, there are some things that I noticed once I started drawing a lot more with a passion because I'd like to draw people. I would just through going throughout my life, I would be, you know, seeing people in the grocery store talking to my sister and just like in my mind, I'd be present and talking to her, but I'd be like, okay, like this is how her brow bone looks. This is how it looks when her nose connects to like her cheek. And this is oh, it's interesting. Like the bottom lip is always a little lighter than the top lip. It's like, so it's like this awareness I kind of like turned on um, just because I was, I don't know, I wanted to draw better. And I was like, how do I make stuff look realistic? I just like looking at people and really trying to be like, okay, what does that look like kind of thing? And also um, just a lot of practice, like putting pen to paper, putting paint to paper and just seeing how I could like work and manipulate the like the paint or the pencil, how to make something darker. And just like, I don't know, I think the biggest part of it is like training my eye to not draw what I think I see, but draw what I actually see. Cause like things in real life don't have an outline, you know, like things like that, like shadows, there's like an under shadow thing that happens. There's like, I, I don't know. So, so a lot of it was like just diving in and doing the art. A lot of it was like that awareness. But honestly, like I, I'm so stubborn that I like refuse to look up any <laughs> videos or tutorials about how to paint because I'm like, no, I want to find it all out myself. So sure. I'm trying to like get over that stubbornness because I think it just comes from like my ego. But another thing that helped is like I just I followed on like Instagram or other social media a lot of artists that I really admired. And especially like paid attention when they were making process videos and just like watch how they do it. And I'm like, oh, like that's how they do it. Or even like, I feel like I'm babbling right now. No, not at all. Another thing that helps is like, I absolutely love going to art museums. I can get lost in like a two-story art museum for like six hours. Like it's bad. I can't even take my friends because I just like, I want to spend so much time with each painting. But um, 
like going to art museums, especially when they have like a certain exhibit about a artist and learning how they did their stuff. Um, like that was like very helpful too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't know if that answered the question. Oh yeah. And I imagine being there too, as you're analyzing a piece for lack of a better term, really looking at it, you're seeing different things. I imagine when it comes to light and shadow and use of color and just, just from observation. Right. Exactly. There's those like basic principles. I think of like art and design, like composition, balance, color, shadow, like things that you had mentioned, like familiarizing with those things are really familiarizing oneself with those things are really important. Like dimensionality. I guess those are like other basics that are important for artists starting out that I feel like I don't even think about them because I guess I just like really they're so ingrained in me now. But yeah, that would be that's a good place to start as well. Yeah. So I wanted to dive in sort of to the business side of things and then we're going to move forward all the NFTs and Solana and everything. Right. Um, but you started your business, was it earlier this year when it, you started uh, um, essentially, actually, just tell me a little bit about the business and where it's at and where you started with it. Yeah, so I had been doing commissions very casually for the last like few years, I think, and just never did it really consistently. And then I really wanted to design t-shirts and stickers because I was like, no one wants to spend $1,000 on one of my original pieces. I know that's what they're worth, but no one wants to do that. So how do I, you know, design things that are more like marketable to people so I decided to like officially found like an LLC mm -hmm. and I just I got an iPad and I started drawing on like procreate with an apple pencil and I made stickers and t-shirts and um it was such a grind like <laughs> such a grind and the profit margins were so slim but I did really enjoy like getting my stuff out there and I was picturing myself like I was like you know I, I know I really really love art I want to do this full time and I promised myself that one year to the date of founding my LLC I would quit my job and luckily like NFTs made it possible for me to do that like like four months later four or five months later nice you know so <laughs> so that's really cool but yeah I founded the business and it also like, it's funny because me founding the business made it so that I wanted to like hustle more. So I was doing a lot more commissions. I do like one big part of like, um, one big thing that I do for commissions that was like a big money maker, I guess, was like pet portraits, like acrylic painted pet portraits. And so I pretty much had one I pretty much like had a commission to do like all the time ever since I like founded the LLC and I was doing some like skulls um, for people, some like portraits or like, oh, I want to pick portrait of this person or whatever. So I would do that too. So it's funny. It was a way, I don't even know if it was like necessary to start the LLC itself. Um, but it, it like really lit this fire under me. Oh, yeah. And it has the multi-purpose because um, segmenting the business, like finances and things, definitely helpful. And then also lighting that fire under you to really, really go full full speed ahead because you have this business now. Like I think, it's, I think it was a great idea. And mm -hmm. I was curious then to get those commissions because you said they were consistently coming in. How did you sort of lay that groundwork and start um, making the connections with your collectors? 
So it was basically all through social media. I did the vast majority of like the connections with people through social media. Every Most everything that I've done has been for people that I know, family members, friends, acquaintances, like random people I haven't spoken to in 10 years, like <laughs> wanting to order a shirt or something. So yeah, I was using like Instagram a lot for that. Um, and it, it was great because like people want to post pictures of their pets. So like it would be helpful because they would post it and then their friends would see it. And it was kind of like, um, like a domino effect. And people saw me doing different, a- different animals or just different kinds of, you know, b- bigger or smaller frames. And so people were able to see like, Oh, I can do that. I put my, um, prices up. I was like super transparent. So I just tried to make it as easy as I could for someone to buy something, um, which I, I don't know where I picked that up, but I picked that up somewhere. Like the easier you make it for someone to buy something, the more likely they are to buy it. So I tried to like do that as well um, for like my collectors, friends and family. Yeah. So diving into NFTs then, because you like you have uh, created your entire like platform around Solana and that blockchain, which is an amazing blockchain, but it's not like the main, like the ETH where everyone, not everyone, but so many people are and people focus a lot there. What initially drew you to Solana? And um, then I want to sort of talk about some of your experiences early on and, and where it's at today. Yeah, so I actually, um, I was first introduced to NFTs probably in January of this year. Um, and I had a people, a few people telling me, oh, you should really get into this. Like a couple of people I was following on social media were doing it and they were doing it on Ethereum. And I kind of like poked around a little bit and was like, this looks so confusing, maybe one day, but like not now, you know, and I, I let it go for a while. And at the same time, I had multiple like friends in real life would not shut up about Solana and they were posting like graphs on social media and like wearing these like pit viper glasses and I'm like you guys are weird (laughs) and Solana was at like three dollars at the time right so like they were all like really invested and you know it started blowing up over the summer and just through talking to those friends they were like they knew like my artistic background they had seen like a lot of the art that I had done and supported me like throughout the years and they were like people are starting to do nfts on solana we can help you i was like whoa like because i i thought like there was no way i was going to be able to do it by myself because i don't have a tech background i don't have a coding background like i had i minted my first nfts on like a hand-me-down from computer from my sister and she had gotten it secondhand from somewhere. So it was like a double generation (laughs) hand-me-down. It was like six years old HP Chromebook, you know, like I was not like technically savvy. (laughs) So there was no way I was going to be able to do it myself, but I had these team, this team of people um, who were able to onboard me. And luckily like the space wasn't hugely like saturated. Like it is now, this is only like, a a few months ago, like in August, I think it was early August that I was onboarded. And um, they just pretty much like held my hand. I was like too, I was, I remember being like, I'm like too scared to post in the discord. Can you post (laughs) this question for me? And they would do it like, and it, I mean, it was awesome. I was just like helped by those people. So selflessly, they asked nothing in return. Um, And that's how that's how I was onboarded. We spent a couple hours at a coffee shop one Saturday and I 
I set up my shop according to like this random Google Doc that Olaplex had set up. <laughs> I heard you talking about um, that in, in the one space that I was yeah. listening to. That I find like it's it's so funny because we forget how early we are to this, to all of this, that it's just a Google Doc on Google Drive somewhere that yeah, that was the somewhere. way to get started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that Google. And it's funny because like I was trying to onboard other people throughout the process, right? Like other artists because I got so excited about it. And I would, I couldn't save the Google Doc because of the permissions that whoever made it had put on it. So I was screenshotting the Google Doc and like texting it to all my friends. <laughs> so it's just some like random screenshot of something. And I'm like, please trust me, just do it. It's easy. Like, <laughs> it's just really funny. And now like I was on Olaplex's website the other day because I was helping like onboard someone and I was like, this is amazing. Like, you don't know what it was like back in my day two months ago. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the wild west. Yeah. And for people who aren't uh, as familiar with Solana and that blockchain, can you describe sort of Holoplex and the experience with using it? Yeah, I can a little bit. Um, I do have like limited developer knowledge, so okay. I might not be able to like fully explain it. But essentially, like what it means for me, it's a platform that's built upon another platform called Metaplex. And basically the, the Metaplex team, I believe it was different members of the Metaplex team wanted to make a platform that was easier for people to use who didn't have a coding background. And so they founded Olaplex. And Olaplex is, um, it's where you can mint your NFTs and you can, you can mint them and sell them for auction. You can also sell them for a fixed price, I believe now. Um, and it, it was just, it was really, really easy to use in the beginning. It was pretty like clunky, but for someone with a very limited developer knowledge or development kind of coding knowledge, it was like, it was perfect for me. Yeah. And I've seen, I saw that yeah. you expanded to exchange now. I don't know how recently, but that one looks really promising as well. Have, because you've actually launched on there, right? With the, um, was it pilot collection? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know what to call it. That was just like my first drop I ever did. So I called it like pilot collection. I don't know. I'm not good at naming things. I'm very creative, but only in certain ways. I mean, I can't come up with names, but, um, but yes. Yeah, so I've explored on exchange a little bit. I'm in the process of gathering all the information from my previous mints and everything I've ever like minted, including like derivative pieces, collaborative pieces. There's just a lot that needs to be done on the back end in order to like put stuff up there. But yes, yeah, I've put some, some pieces up on exchange and um, there will be more. So more is coming, but yes, I, I'm really excited for the future of exchange. I love the team. Nice. They have yeah. a lot of, a lot of vision for the future. Yeah. And you said it takes a lot to sort of get it all there. Um, Cause I'm much more experienced with the Ethereum side of things with like collections and it just sort of shows up in open sea. Um, like what are some of the things you have to do to cure it? Do you have to uh, individually select pieces? Um, sort of how do you get them? Not not super technical, but just like um, from the artist's perspective, like what sort of um, experience is that like? Yeah, so I don't, I really don't want to butcher this, but you have to create something called like a mint hash list. And it's just a bunch of like letters and numbers that get tied to your NFT when you mint it. And it depends... I don't know what changes the numbers, what makes the numbers different, but there's like a mint authority and like an update authority. You have to go in there with like transaction IDs and stuff and pull out all this super random information. <laughs> um, 
and like organize it in the JSON file, which I had no oh, okay. idea what that was. I still kind of don't know what that was. I had, I was like on a video chat with one of the founders of exchange just to get those five pieces up for like half an hour. Yeah. Cause I, I just have such limited knowledge, but yeah. So there's a lot of like metadata and just like different weird coding things you have to pull from your minting website. I believe in order to figure out in order to just like enter these forms to apply to be on these like websites. So gotcha. I don't know. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. No, no, no. It, like it makes sense. Like, cause I come <laughs> more from the tech side of things. So like you're getting the hash of each one and then it knows. Yeah. So it's the reference point to these pieces of art that are already minted elsewhere but yeah it's it is so interesting because like it shows again just how early everything is because if it like it's going to be quicker and less uh just i don't want to say automated but more streamlined than it is now because you look at yeah. yeah you look like an open sea or even um like tezos is relatively streamlined where it all fits together but it's still early with solana but solana has so many benefits and so many so much upside like in the long term as well and with gas being crazy on um ethereum have you noticed sort of an influx of people into solana from the artist side i would say to i would say so yes yeah i've had a few artists reach out and say that they're you know they come from ethereum but they just they want they've heard good things about solana want to hear more about it or are releasing their next collection on solana um, I have seen a lot of that and I've seen just like artists are coming to Solana in droves. I don't know if they're coming from Ethereum or if they're coming from like no NFT experience, but there's like, there's a lot coming over. So I'm not sure how much of that is Ethereum people, but I do know, I do know a few. Yeah. So where do you, uh, because you're helping people really like on board, like you mentioned, you're bringing people into the space. Where do you have people start on, on this journey, whether they have blockchain experience or not? Um, so it depends. Everyone's a little different. I usually like to, if people are, are really wanting to like pick my brain and really wanting help, I, I do like a voice chat with them and I ask them about their art, um, you know, what media they use, like what's their process, what's, what kind of collections they have. So I just try to get a, a feel for like where they're at, whether they're ready to like just start putting stuff out there. Um, and I usually recommend that they make an Olaplex store and just continue to post their art on their Twitter, I guess, and try to interact with people in the space genuinely, like not chill their stuff because <laughs> yeah. no one likes that. And um, and yeah, it just, it depends because everyone's different. Like some people will come to me and I can tell that they are so motivated and they're gonna like, I can point them somewhere and they will like, just run with it. And some people I have to just, I don't know, I don't know, be a little more gentle. I don't know what the, what the <laughs> word is, but it, it just depends. I kind of take each person that comes to me like in a different path, depending on like where I think they're at and like whether they can be like a super motivated self-starter kind of like have a ton of art and like, okay, you need to go here, here, here. And I know that they'll do it. But there's other people that just need like either someone to talk to or someone like people will send me their art and be like, what do you think about this? I'll give them a critique. 
So, um, yeah, so it really depends. And a lot of that happens in like DMs, either on Twitter or Discord, or in this Discord that I founded with a few other artists called the Solana Institute of Art. So, a lot of the stuff is happening in there. Yeah, I want well. like and a lot of other artists are helping each other there too. I wanted to talk about the, that Solana Institute Institute of Art because I really love that um, from a brand perspective, encapsulating it that this is where you can go. Um, so, is it then? Is it mostly an education platform where you're helping helping new artists, or uh, what's the main focus you have there? So it's actually a really funny story. It was founded by mistake. <laughs> so <laughs> me and these three other artists who were like relatively new in the Solana space were put into a group chat by one of us in sometime in August. And we just started talking about doing a collaborative project. And um, we were like making the pieces, et cetera, you know, doing all that kind of organization. We were like, Oh, what, what should we call the project? And, and I was like, well, listen, like, it's more important. What do we call ourselves? Like, we need to be like a, an art collective and we need to have some kind of cool name. I really wanted like a cool name because um, I don't know. I have like, I nerd out about like graffiti art. Um, and I knew that like different like graffiti, not graffiti gangs, graffiti like crews had different like names. I was like, dude, we're a crew. We need like a cool name. And so someone came up with Solana Institute of Art, like as the name for our artist collective for this one project. And like, once we started posting about it, people got all these ideas of what Solana Institute of Art could be just because of the connotation from the name itself. And we were like, oh my God, now, like we realize that there's a need for something like a Solana Institute of Art, you know, where mm -hmm. some, somewhere where, where artists can go to you know, to help each other out, to get onboarded, educated, to collab, et cetera. We were like, wow, this was not the intention, but I guess this is happening. So <laughs> we released the, over the course of like the next like two months, I think we released the um, collaborations that we had done. And because um, it with Olaplex, like there were so many different issues and all that kind of stuff. So we had a couple of roadblocks that we were able to, um, release everything and all the while we were like wanting to do something with Solana Institute of Art like in the future once we had finally like done this project that we had um sorted out and and you know like worked on for months and so once the project was like mostly done I think there's like eight more pieces that are going to launch on exchange directly or on digital eyes directly I'm not sure I have to um I have to check in on that so after, after setting up all that, we're like, okay, it's time to actually make the community because everyone wants it. Uh -huh. <laughs> like whether we want to do it or not, I felt like there was no choice. I'm like, I just got to do this. And so a couple of the other artists um, wanted to take like less of a leadership role and more of like a participatory role and try to like help out when they can. But they, they were like, I just said that with everything that they were doing, they couldn't quite like step in, in the way that. In the way that they had either wanted to or that they felt like they were expected to. So I was like, okay, like, you know, absolutely, like, that's fine. And I just kind of stepped into this role and I'm like, I moderate this Discord, which I don't know how to do. I'm trying to get all these people <laughs> to help me. But basically, to get to the point, there's, there's different channels in there for 
education, for helpful links, for um, uh, for collaborations, for sharing art and like all different kinds of art. So there's a channel for sharing paintings, digital art, blah, 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 all that different stuff. Place to ask questions, for collectors to look for artists. So it's just kind of like this hub. And I'm hoping that it just starts to like live and breathe as its own so that I don't have to like be doing everything or that I can like start trusting people to start taking more of a leadership role because it's turning into something really beautiful and the discord has only been live for like a couple of weeks oh wow yeah um yeah which is which is crazy but yeah so it's there's really cool stuff already coming out of there just from like we're able to foster these connections between artists and there's there's just such beautiful stuff like coming out of there. Yeah, and that is so important to to give um, people community, whether it's collectors or artists, but especially on the business side, the artist side, to give people a place to come together and learn together and grow together and support one another. That is hugely valuable. So like, I love that you just, you almost stumbled on it. Like, but it is such a, it, it feels like such a great place and such a needed um, space for people. Have you considered like any sort of monetization or business um, in that world? Or is it mostly uh, just trying to help people and just onboard because for the love of Solana? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just doing it for the love of Solana right now and for the love of art. Because the way I see it is like, if I'm making enough money to get by that's all I need. You know what I mean? And I, I try to donate as much as I possibly can to charity and give as much as I possibly can back. Like, so I, I, right now it's not something I'm looking at, but if it turns into something like, which is kind of looking like it's going in this direction where I could spend like three or four hours a day working on it. We do have like a community fund. Um, we have a couple different community funds. One that was created with like a percentage of all of the, um, collaborations that me and the three other artists did that's a community fund and then we have another wallet that people are just donating to to help the artists so I don't I mean it's I know that like other DAOs like decentralized organized decentralized autonomous organizations like that are built around these NFTs actually do like hire people with their community funds I don't know if that's something that's going to be possible. We'll see. I mean, that would that would be cool, but I don't know. I feel weird taking money. I just want to like make <laughs> art and help people. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm open to to anything because it's looking like I'm going to have to like hire mods and like I don't even know, I don't know yeah. how all that stuff works. So like, there's possibly going to be something with it, but it's never going to be like for profit. All that money is always going to be poured right back into the community wallets to help the artists. Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's wonderful and yeah do you are you comfortable talking about money and sort of your side of things and how um you've been able to go full-time when it comes to your art and salon we don't have to get into like details but i guess sort of um how did you get it to the point where you're like oh this is a full-time income i can leave that job just four months in which is awesome yeah <laughs> yeah and i had actually only been on solana for like a month and well, i was like and that's when i quit uh-huh so <laughs> so i mean I'm, an, I'm a little bit of an impulsive person i'll definitely talk about like how i got there but like just to preface i'm pretty i'm just an impulsive person and so i i got this opportunity and i was like i'm going all in uh -huh. or whatever so so what happened what helped me make the choice was for actually for several years, um, I was living in South Florida. Like when I had gotten started with NFTs, I lived there for a couple of years and I was just 
I didn't like the area. I didn't like the weather. I just, I ended up there like about four years ago and I just like stayed accidentally, you know, it wasn't even on purpose. And I was like, I don't even like it here. And I was stuck at a job that just had me in this weird position where like, I felt like I couldn't leave because I wouldn't be able to make that much money somewhere else, but it was just not the right job for me. It was very stressful. What type of work were you doing? I was um, doing like administrative work in an oncologist's office. So Mm, it was just mm -hmm. very high pressure. It was tough because like every single case was like a very urgent case because these patients are dealing with cancer. And so it was very hard to prioritize and be able to like pay enough attention to all of these different patients, like cases and things that I was managing for them because every single one of them was super important and super urgent. So it was just a very, very stressful environment for me. So and not creative, like like it doesn't like scratch that itch. Yeah, it was horrible. (laughs) It was horrible. Like the most creative thing I did is I had like amazing, like, um, highlighters and markers and (laughs) post-it notes. And so I I tried to make it fun, but no, it was just not, it just like, wasn't the right place for me. It served its purpose, like in my life and in my career, but it wasn't the right place for me. So I was stuck in like between a rock and a hard place. I don't know. I was like, I have this job I don't like, and I live somewhere I don't like, what the hell am I doing? So I started to apply to, um, different positions within my company, which had like different satellite offices all around the U S and I applied to one in a completely different state. And, um, and I was just like running with it and saying like, whatever. And at the same time that I was doing that, I was like, like networking with these NFT people on Twitter and like preparing for my first auction. And, um, my my very first auction was that one that I talked about that was like glitched and funny. And I don't even <laughs> consider it my first auction because it sold for like 0.2 Solana. And I didn't even know that it sold. It was a whole mess. So my first like official auction, I had a piece go for 34 Solana. Nice. And at the time, I think Solana was at like $110 or something. And then I had several other pieces to where like the, the total I made during that first auction was like 60 Solana. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) You know, I was working like an office job, like without a college education, I was not getting, I was being paid enough to like scrape by, put a little in savings. Like I wasn't uncomfortable, but I, I felt like I was like a slave to the nine to five or the eight to five or whatever. So I was just absolutely floored by that first auction. I got very lucky. I had a couple of people like just bid like crazy. And um, at that point I was like, maybe this is possible that I can do this full time. And within like a week and a half after that, I had quit the job and I was like, nope, I'm just like, I was doing a lot of commissions as well. People liked my like style of art. I was doing derivatives of different NFTs commissions. And I was like, I can make, as much in a day on Solana as I would normally make in like two weeks at my office job. You know what I mean? So I was like this, you know, I was like, I don't know. I was like, this is, it was so freeing. And then I decided to um, not only quit my job, but not take the job that was out of state that I actually got. Mm -hmm. I was, I was given (laughs) that job and I accepted it. It was, it was this weird, I was in this like weird, like transitionary phase. 
And so I was like, no, but I'm going to move there anyway, because I don't like Florida. And so I left. And so I moved to that city and I love it. And I don't have to work my office job and I'm just like doing NFTs. And I'm not making like an insane amount of money, but I'm making enough to get by. I can give to charity and I can help other people. And that's what I care about. Yeah. And that's what's so important is finding the things that matter most to you and creating the lifestyle that satisfies those, that checks as many boxes, I guess, as, as you can. Like that's, that's wonderful. I think it's a great story. And especially like you were, you made a lot of changes at once. That's a scary time, like for anyone. Um, but you saw the opportunity and you, you went with it and like now we're here and you're, you're consistently creating and like you, you're immersed in this space in a way that you're connecting with so many people and bringing people into it and giving more people opportunity. It's, it's wonderful. I love it. Um, yeah, it's, it's really great. Yeah. yeah. I, I love it. With those first auctions, do you know the people who bought? Did they like, was there a way that you connected with them? that um because that's always the hardest thing how do you make your first sale especially in nfts because there's so many people now and there's a lot going Mm -hmm. on yeah so it depends i sold like five pieces and i'm pretty sure different people took most of the pieces so it went to like i think four different people one person might have gotten two of them um but a few of them were people i had met on a discord that i'm not sure is active much anymore now but it was early on called like nfts on solana or something so it was like these og kind of like people that had been in solana for like six months and we're like OG <laughs> yeah <laughs> for like two months you know this was back in august and so uh, some of them were were people in there that i had seen and that i had talked to through the onboarding process and a couple of people were just people that had found me on twitter because i was posting my art before i was posting any nfts i decided to just post some of my art stuff to see if people would connect with it and someone connected with one of my pieces. Um, it was a skull piece. And they said that it just like reminded them of like a near death experience that they had had the year prior. And it reminded them to like, you know, seize the day and like take, you know, be grateful for the days that you have, et cetera. So it meant a lot to like that one person. And so there were bidding wars between all of these people. And that's what drove the price up. And so I do speak occasionally to some of them um, and just, you know, see them around on the Twitter space. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I think that that is something about skulls that does speak to people because like I did my own, I have a tiny little collection just trying to figure, find my way through illustration. I called it live before you die because it's sort of that memento mori, like having a skull. Yeah. So it's like reminding like, like just skulls in general, just tend to remind us of our mortality and how we only have so much time. So what, what are we actually doing with the time that we have? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that just really resonated deeply with one person and they were like, all right, I'll pay you 35 Solana for it, which today is like, I don't know, $7,000. I was like, what the hell? It was just like completely life-changing for me. Sure. And that's so cool that like someone, something that I made can resonate so much with someone. That's Absolutely. like so cool to me and like mind blowing. I'm like, pinch me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So now um, where you're at right now, do you have any sort of consistent like uh, production schedule, like release schedule of new drops or how are you approaching the, like the business side of uh, NFTs today? Um. So for a while. So after I had those first two really, you know, successful auctions, I was connecting with a lot of people in the NFT space. And I realized there were a lot of artists that wanted 
that I could like collaborate with, which is really cool. That's something I've always wanted to done and always wanted to do with like my in real life artist friends, but I don't think it ever really panned out. So I decided to do a lot of collaborations, uh, which was a lot of fun and do a lot of uh, commissions. And I just realized that's where like a lot of money was. And um, I was wanting to like, like make a little money, save a little money because I knew I was moving. And so that's what I did for the majority of September, I think. And I was just putting off like my new project, not sure when I was going to drop it, but knew that um, it was coming in the future. I was having a lot of trouble with Olaplex and minting and putting anything up. And there were so many bugs, like the website wouldn't even load. So I decided to put my own stuff on hold until the bugs stopped. Um, so I actually, I I did a ton of commissions, a ton of derivatives, and I just like closed my commissions, I think about a week and a half ago. And I'm almost completely done with everything that I had promised people that I would do. Um, and now I'm just focusing on my own thing. And honestly, like there's no real structure to it. I kind of just wait for, not wait for inspiration, but like seek out the inspiration and ride that wave and wing it and experiment and it's crazy. Like it's, I've been given so much freedom through the opportunities I've been given through NFTs that I, I, there's not like a lot of pressure, even though there is like, there's pressure to create art, which is something I haven't necessarily felt in a lot of my experiences. It's just been like me making art for me or me making art for someone else um, as a commission. But now there's like pressure of me making art that's original from me. I'm like, I don't know. So, so I'm dealing with that a little bit, but yeah, there's no, there's no real structure. I, I kind of just wing it really. Oh yeah. And nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, yeah. does, does it feel different now, now that you are, because I'm sure you're still doing like paint and acrylic and everything as well. But now that NFTs is such a big side, like I saw that you had written how um, you almost felt like digital was cheating because you were doing things um, <laughs> so in such an analog way. And mixing your own colors and everything like we talked about. Um, do you have any sort of different feelings now, now that you're really immersed, you've immersed yourself in both analog and digital space? Um, yeah, I think I'm like probably a lot more critical of myself now because when I was just creating art to create art, I, it was just me putting whatever I want to on paper and I didn't care. People could take it or leave it. Like, <laughs> I don't care if you like it or not, you know, kind of thing. Um, but now it's like, I'm holding myself to a higher standard because I know that now I have this audience of people that has liked my work previously. And, and I have these collectors that I want to, you know, provide value for, you know, and I have, um, I, I'm like, there, there is like a bit more pressure, I guess you could say, um, just in a different way. Oh, yeah. It makes sense because, yeah, like now you are also in complete control of your destiny, which is liberating and um, can induce anxiety at the same time. It's like right. it's the best of both worlds. <laughs> I mean, because it just yeah. it really like you're in control, but also being in control is a little um, can be daunting at times. But I love that everything you're building, the community you're building, how you're helping people along on their similar journey. Like, I feel like you're just setting yourself up for like a very, very bright future with all of it just to continue on because yeah, you're, you're the community builder and the artist all wrapped into one. So yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, as long as I can just continue to create art and like make enough money to get by, I'm happy. 
Right? Yeah, for sure. That's what I'm going to continue to do. Nice. So I really appreciate taking the time to dive into everything. For uh, people listening, where should we send them to follow along with what you're up to, everything you're creating? Yeah. So on Twitter, my um, Twitter username is at high showers. There's a story behind that as well. I don't know if we have time to talk about that. <laughs> I mean, I am but, curious. Um, I was curious where that name came from. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about it in a second. Okay. Um, and then on Instagram, it's just Bridget Merkel artist, And, um, I'm releasing pieces on exchange.art under my name, Bridget Merkel. Nice. Very yeah. Cool. But the, the high showers comes from I made this Twitter apparently like eight years ago when I used to smoke a lot of weed and just go <laughs> into the shower and have these thoughts and I wanted to write them down on Twitter. So apparently I was doing that, forgot about the Twitter for like years. And I go to make another Twitter because my NFT friends told me have to make a Twitter if you're getting into Solana and Twitter told me you already have a username. It's high showers. I was like, what is this? Like I completely <laughs> blocked it from my mind. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep it. It's funny. And now it's like, it's, it's just who I am. Like, uh-huh. I can't leave it now. It's like my brand, even though like, I don't, I don't smoke weed. I don't like do any of that anymore. So oh, it's yeah. just really funny. And it's like an inside joke I have with myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah. And I like that it's, it's the username, but then you still have the brand of Pink Skull, like on top of it. So you're able to layer it in a way that's, that's interesting. And it adds that, um, that mystery. Because I was very curious because I assumed it would be Pink Skull. Then I went to type in and I was like, wait, this is this is not Pink Skull. <laughs> Something totally different. Yeah, I'm like in a naming crisis right now because I have high showers and Pink Skull and going by my full name. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run in one direction or the other. I just have to figure that out. Yeah, for sure. Like what's um in the balance between using your name or like Pink Skull? Sort of where are you falling? Um, I don't think Pink Skull has a nice ring to it. I don't mm-hmm. think it like evokes a lot of I don't know. It comes down to me not being able to name things very well. Like I just like call something what it is like that is a pink skull, you know, but it doesn't have it doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't you know, it's just I don't think it's a a intriguing name very much. So I'd love to come up with something else, but I just like can't. So I I think I might just like go with go with my full name and do kind of like a slow transition into that but i'll i'll still draw pink skulls forever because i love them i want to thank bridget for joining me on this episode be sure to follow everything she's up to at high showers on twitter and definitely check out the solana institute of art if you're an artist or creative curious about diving into the solana blockchain that'll be a great spot to as she mentioned to connect with other artists and um get onboarded into this um amazing opportunity that's presented right now As always, this episode of Starting Now is brought to you by Built. At Built, we help you get started online. Whether you want to start a blog or a business, head on over to built.co. That's B-Y-L-T dot C-O to get started. Built. Your website, built for you, simply. Finally, if you're enjoying the show, I'd love it if you uh, gave this episode a thumbs up and subscribed. It really means a lot and helps me reach more people. And um, that's really the whole point. I want to connect with as many people as I can and help share these origin stories to, to help you along your journey because everyone's path is unique and i think the more the more people that i get to talk to and share their path with with you the more value i think this this show can add so yeah thanks again well that'll do it for this week again i'm jeff saris this has been starting now and i'll see you next time